Hello and welcome back to They Don't Make Them Like They Used To. As you have no doubt have heard if you've been listening already, this is Sunshine Radio. And we are bringing you a little bit of the glamour of Hollywood yesteryear to your hospital bed, right to your bedside table. Imagine Clark Gable being the person who brings you your lunch. That is what we're trying to do here for you today. Well, don't tell my wife that. <laughs> <laughs> what, that Clark Gable brings people lunch in the hospital? Yeah, she'll be in there. Oh, she has a bit of a Clark Gable thing. She doesn't really she? does, yeah. It started a few months back. So you've got a Grace Kelly thing and she's got a Clark Gable That's thing. That's right, yeah. yeah. Hmm. This could weirdly work in a really, really sort of weird, messed up, convoluted, screwed up way. But anyway. It shows class, I suppose. <laughs> as you have heard, back in the studio with me today are Joe. Hello. And Sean. Hi, yeah. Yes, back after a long period of not being here. So what have you guys done with your all expenses paid break? Uh, <laughs> work, worked really hard. Worked really hard, yeah. <laughs> And not watched so. as many movies as I've liked. <laughs> All right, cool, cool. So, I mean, it's been a while since we've done this, but I mean, it's good to have you guys back here. And um, with them not being here for a while, what we've decided to do this week, or rather what I have decided to do this week, is to go with a whole bunch of films that both Joe and Sean have seen, but I haven't, so that they should be doing most of the talking this week. It's nice and easy for me. Um, But anyway, it should be hopefully, it should be quite... What's the word? It should be quite pleasant, quite a pleasant experience pleasant. for you in in the hospital. So this week they've chosen a couple of films. And uh, Joe, could you tell us what your choice has been for this week? It was really easy. Uh, very, very easy choice. One of my favorite films of all time. Uh, a 1955 movie starring Robert Mitchum called The Night of the Hunter. Ooh, Night of the Hunter. So, Night of the Hunter, Robert Mitchum, uh, starring Robert Mitchum. I remember the first show we ever did, Robert Mitchum, was the answer to your quiz. Is that right? Yeah, Robert Mitchum <laughs> was, uh, 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 when I saw that you'd chosen this, I was like, oh yeah, Robert Mitchum was the answer to the quiz. So yeah, it's like your love of all things Mitchum coming up. So, this is probably one of the rarest things I think I've ever seen or heard of. It is Robert Mitchum singing from the movie, The Night of the Hunter. Leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarms. Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. What a joy divine Leaning on the everlasting arms What a blessedness What a peace is mine Leaning on the everlasting arms Leaning on Jesus Leaning on Jesus Safe and secure from all alarms. Leon Jesus, Leon Jesus, leaning on the everlasting arms. Shame on you, Ruby. Mooning around the house after that mad dog of a man. Ruby, go get the children out of bed and bring them down here. Right, cool. So that was an excerpt from the film Night of the Hunter. So, 
um, even without watching any film from that, that's kind of creepy. That's mm. probably the creepiest, creepiest praise song to Jesus I've ever, ever heard. So, Joe, tell me, what is this film about? It's a creepy, creepy film. I mean, it's not it's not a horror film by any means, but it's it's very dark, it's very black, and there's lots of uh, um, unpleasant sort of themes. It's about, the whole thing's about these two kids that are on the run, that they're in danger the whole time. It's, it's very black, it's a, it's, a, it's a definitely a noir, it's a thriller, there's some crime involved in it. It's it's like a fairy tale. The, the cinematography is absolutely gorgeous. There's a sort of German expressionism element to it. There's angles in every shot. There's there's light and there's dark. There's a, there's a lot of duality. Um, it's, it's the famous well. It's the famous thing with the guy with love written on one on one hand and hate written on the other hand, and and the scene where they wrestle and which one comes out on top. The whole thing's about about light and dark, and uh, it's absolutely gorgeous film. It is, yeah. The actual um, <coughs> Stanley Cortez. Then cinematographer on that actually the cinematographer um said that charles lawton because i think it was the only film charles lawton directed yeah unfortunately really really understood light and the other one was awesome wales he said and and it, i mean it, it was all shot in a studio and the night sky and everything is just like yeah almost surreal it's like a like a puppet show i think it is it's like a fairy tale you could take any still image uh, any any frame from the movie and you can hang it on the wall because it's it's beautiful beautiful framing well, there's 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 one piece that really really sticks in my mind when when the children are, have they've been asleep in a barn they've been asleep in a barn and they can hear robert mitchum singing and there's this long shot of just a somebody a shadow riding a horse across mm. the night sky yeah yeah there's such presence in that film uh Obviously, I, I'm a big uh, Robert Mitchum fan uh, anyway, um, but in that film, he's just, he's everywhere. There's this feeling that wherever you go, he's there, or he's, he's on your case, he's, he's following them. the kids down the river. There's this incredible scene where the, they get in this boat and end up journeying down the river, and, and you see all the all nature, and it's dark, it's nighttime, and you see the nature going on around, and you see the spider's web, and you see this boat uh, floating past, and it's like a dream. It's actually <laughs> absolutely gorgeous. Okay, so wait, so you said it's about these two kids, yeah, and they're on the run and everything. How does Robert Mitchum come into it? He's after the money. Uh, basically, there's some a guy steals a load of money, and um, at the beginning, and uh, the money's somewhere, and the, the guy Robert Mitchum's character knows uh, that the money's there, and he's after it the whole time, and the kids have to try and get away. It's got um, Shelley Winters as the as the um, the mother in it. So mother of the kids. Yeah. All right. Okay. So is she is she the one who we heard singing along with the Robert No, that? that was the awesome, fantastic Lillian Gish. Lillian Gish, a silent film. Uh, one of the few that managed to make the transition from mm-hmm. silent to, to yeah. the talkies, and and still remain big. She had a career that, that lasted seventy to eighty years, seventy five years, I think. She was in movies. It's wow. Astounding. It is astounding. And considering she was in silent films, and then she's she is singing in nineteen fifty five. She 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 managed to stand the transition. Yeah, I think she was an icon. She worked with like. Cecil B. DeMille. Everyone, yeah. yeah. Oh, um, Intolerance, Birth Intolerance. of a Nation. Yep. Oh, good Lord, she was in that. She was. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. So who does she play? Because I'm, I'm getting a, this is getting a bit convoluted here. <laughs> it's it's very, very, very simple. It's uh, it's a very simple story that just is, is taken to very dark places. The kids go on the run and they, they end up... Um, what, just by themselves? Yeah, pretty much most of the movie. Well, with the money? With the money, yeah. Okay. Uh, or at least they, they were well, not with the money themselves, but they know where the money is. So Robert Mitchum's desperate for it. So, so the kids go on the run because they know people are after them. Yeah. Do the kids steal the money? 
Uh, no. The oh, money's right. like, I would I would class the money as like a Hitchcock. Uh, MacGuffin. A, MacGuffin. Okay. Yeah. It's all about him trying to get it and them sort of supposedly knowing where it is. So do and the, you don't know where it is uh, for most of the movie. So do the kids knowingly go on the run? Yes. Why do they... Uh, because he's after them. Because then he's a very, very creepy character. Scary, a man. very, very, very unpleasant character. Yeah. Okay. Why is it that every single shot I've seen of Robert Mitchum in this film, he's dressed like a priest? He is. He plays the uh, the preacher. The, um, the, the main guy. Yeah. He's... He, so he's, he's a scary very, priest. Yeah, very messed up. He's not actually a priest, I don't believe. But I think it's to get control of like the townspeople and, and, and the people there. It's almost like a, a con trick. And so everybody thinks, oh, he's a preacher. He must be a good man. He must be a good man. But oh, in yeah. fact, he's totally, totally not a good man. Yeah, he's, ah. he's, he's got a Bible in one hand and a, 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 a knife, like a switchblade switch thing blade. that he pulls out occasionally. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but the townsfolk think he's okay yeah to start with and he always has this hat on for what i've seen like that's right is that the, because I know, or anything i've seen from this film is just him in this massive wide brimmed hat mm. and like you know we, yeah, you said about the fingers like he has like yeah. love written on one and which is something that shows up over and over again in all these sort of in, uh, in a whole bunch of different films yeah like uh, one of my favorite films the blues brothers they actually sort of have a little bit of a homage to it because the yeah. brothers have the names written on their fingers yeah and that was the first time i ever saw it and then i think the simpsons have, yes i was just gonna say the simpsons yeah this is the Simpsons have pastiched it, but I, I think they they seem to have because I know they've pastiched Cape Fear, which is another classic Robert Mitchum movie, and um, yeah, they one. just they seem to love pastiching his black and white movies or something. Yeah, he's yeah, the, the the that's the one that people remember, I suppose. There's a great scene where he actually acts out the wrestling of of love and hate, and he actually his his fists actually wrestle each other, and he does his whole speech. And is, is is there a film with Robert Mitchum um, where he's like a Again, same sort of character, but he carries a machine gun around in a, in a pram. I'm quite certain. Seriously, it's one I've seen. I don't know if it's... it's Robert Mitchum with Mitchum, a machine yeah. yeah. gun in a pram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Robert so, Mitchum with a machine gun in a pram. <laughs> well, I don't know. I could, be, I could be just talking like crazy here, but I'm, I'm pretty sure Robert Mitchum movies, I did see one. Uh, was um, this... Okay, what what what, gen, what, um, what era Robert Mitchum are we talking about? Are we talking this, like white same, hair Robert Mitchum? Are we talking like, you know... Contemporary Cary Grant, Robert Mitchum. Which one are we talking about? Well, there was a film yep. around the same year. Right, it, was, it was actually released nineteen fifty-five. The same called Man with the Gun. Would that, oh, would that have been it? No, that's, that was a western. This was more of a. Perhaps I'm thinking. Perhaps it was a different different film. But, uh, I seem to remember it was the, the 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 cinematography was exactly the same with the light and the dark. Uh, I seem to remember he had a machine gun <laughs> and was a preacher with a machine gun. But a I preacher with a machine gun. I oh machine gun preacher. Hmm. I think yeah. the only other the only other Mitchum film that I hold up in, in uh, to the same sort of level of greatness as this would be. Um, out of the past. Uh, I knew you were going to say that. That's, yeah. that is, it's almost become a cliche that those are the two people always mention, Night of the Hunter and Out of the Past. Oh, but they are good. Because oh. of, the funny thing with Mitchum is that he, I always thought that Robert Mitchum was an unlikely movie star because the first time I ever saw him was when he was older, when he was older and all, and you think, oh, this is a really cool character actor who he seems to show up on, each time he shows up in a film, he looks like he, he really can't be bothered to be there. But it just seems to be his style and his sort of like... There's the, the, this I know is a Robert Mitchum film. Um, there's a Robert Mitchum film called The Friends of Eddie Coyle. Oh yeah. And um, yeah, he's he's obviously like an aging. Uh, he was associated with gangsters and 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 the police. He was like a. So I think Joe's just going to find it for us. So this is a really really good film. And it's it on sounds TV like it would have been often. your era. Slightly. <laughs> yeah. This would be more your era, would it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like seventies. Seventies. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but but like, what? 
But what do you think about him as a movie star? Because oh, he, I love he, him. Yeah, but the thing is, he doesn't strike me as a matini idol or matinee idol because his looks and everything like that. It just he just seems to have just won over everybody by sheer force of talent. Yeah. Well, he never he never took it seriously. He always it was the first one to say that you know being a movie star was 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 a load of rubbish and wasn't wasn't shouldn't take himself too seriously. And he just did whatever he wanted to. Do. Um, what you said right at the start was it was weird to hear him sing. Mm-hmm. He actually had a whole a, quite a quite a successful singing career. Did he? Yes. Type in, uh, uh, if you ever go searching the internet, type in uh, Robert Mitchum uh, Calypso. Oh, no way. Oh, yes. <laughs> no way. Oh, yes. <laughs> Robert Mitchum Calypso. I'm not kidding. They're there and they're pretty good. They're pretty good. Uh, not, not that I uh, own them and listen to them regularly or anything. There, there, there used to be a show and um, it was... Oh, <laughs> Those are having trouble believing this. <laughs> Um, Seriously, <laughs> they're quite a quite sorry, a career. Sean, you were, you were that's saying. okay. That's okay. Yeah, um, Michael Parkinson. He yeah. used to have a in the seventies. He was like a, a um, oh the talk show Parkinson. Yeah, talk show, and and he interviewed Robert Mitchum twice. Now, I remember one time he was he was so totally totally plastered. Practically the only word he ever said was yep. So every question <laughs> he was asked, it was yep, <laughs> yep. But all he could manage. Yeah, that was about all he could manage. But I mean, I really like those sort of characters. Those um, it would be, you know, the mold of Lee Marvin, and you know, the real rough, tough. I'm sure he got into a lot of fights, and mm. you know, a lot of a lot of bawdy nights. Yeah, I think the the word that's usually used for him is is laconic, isn't it? Laconic. Yeah, that would be that's that's a good word. Yeah. So so laid back. He's almost horizontal kind of stuff. Mm. It's like it just it just seems like he's just effortlessly walking around, almost half asleep. Hmm. And yet being brilliant with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, he's uh, one of the greats for me. Yeah, um, he is. But you should, if you ever check it, and I think they probably, uh, you'd better get them on YouTube, those those Parkinson interviews, because he <laughs> must be really, yeah, there's the film, The Wrath of God. Oh, go, 1972, right. The Wrath of God. What, so, Robert Mitchum with, with, with a machine gun, with oh a Tommy gun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, Sean's just showing me a picture of the poster. He is dressed almost exactly, the only thing is that the hat is slightly different. From from Night of the Hunter, but yeah, wow. Yeah, so the wrath of God. I knew I'd seen the film. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have Robert to see Mitchell. that. It wasn't well, it's the seventies, isn't it? Yeah. With yeah. a Tommy gun, <laughs> and he carries it around in a pram. I'm sure. <laughs> that sounds almost like oh, there's some Japanese film where something like that happens. But anyway, moving on. Okay, that was the first thing. Thank you very much for that. Oh, Night yeah, of the Hunter. It's a great film. I think that that deserves a watch from me. I think I actually have it on my list of films I should see at some point. I think you should. All right, and now we are going to do Joe's Clues. So every week, Joe comes up with a couple of clues about some screen legend, and we try and figure out who it is before the end of the show. Feel free to play along as you're listening, because we'll only reveal the answer at the end of the show. So, Joe, do you want to tell us... A first clue this week. Right. The first clue this week, I'm actually, uh, it's going to be a very bold move. Uh, for the first clue, I'm actually going to give you the name of this screen legend. Okay. Okay. This Hollywood legend was born. Oh, I see. <laughs> in 1916, uh, Iza Danielovich Dembski. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I hope. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I got it. Nineteen sixteen. Born nineteen sixteen. Isa Danielovich Demski was it? Yeah, Danielovich. Yep, yep, yep. Does he have a butt chin? 
I wouldn't say a word. (laughs) (laughs) Massive budget. All right, cool. (laughs) Okay, cool. Thank you very much. We'll come back with the other clues before the show's over. And now we're going to go on to Sean's of the... Oh, just one more thing about Night of the Hunter. You mentioned Charles Lawton, who was the... Who was the... He was an actor. He was primarily known as an actor. Yeah. And what kind of films was he in? I mean... Um, he was in Mutiny on the Bounty, yeah. um, and he was in some of that the fantastic courtroom one. Um, what's it called? Don't know. Oh dear, I can't. Yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot of black and white. Witness for, witness for the prosecution. Witness for the prosecution. God, yeah. that's yeah. Saved and my... appar- apparently, I mean, when he directed, uh, uh, this is just some random fact that I remember that he directed Night of the Hunter, and it was either it didn't do that well at the box office, or critically, people slated it, saying it was rubbish, and he was so affected by it that he decided, I'm never directing again. Yeah, I think and, it was. I think it was a bit of both. Yeah, and, and he said, that's it, never directing again, never putting myself through that again, but and he, now everybody's like, oh my god, why not? <laughs> that, that was amazing. Absolutely he ridiculous. Direct a lot of stage plays he was really really he, he just said well I, I'll stick with the stage then oh, but he just used the cinema so well he knew how to film oh, things yeah, it, it was, was fabulous I mean he was oh. in um, <coughs> well, loads of films yeah okay cool sorry anyway that was just something I wanted to bring up but now Sean tell us can you tell us what your choice is hang on a second I just need to do something to your mic Okay, cool. Tell us what your choice is. Okay, my choice is um, the 1967 film, Bonnie and Clyde. Ooh. I'm sure, yep. Okay. Um, great director, Arthur Penn. Um, top film. Uh, I I like my gangster war western movies. And, and uh, I guess, I mean, there was a lot of controversy because they said it sort of romanticised, that, you know, it romanticised the, um, the actual real-life story yeah. because... You know, they, they were a couple of killers, really. Yeah. But in the film, that you can be quite sympathetic with them. Um, and a lot of action, s- some comedic bits. Um, Gene Wilder. There's Gene Wilder. <laughs> Joe was telling me about the, the bit with Gene Wilder. They sort of, they, they steal a car and Gene Wilder, <coughs> that famous comedic actor, is in it. And he's like, oh, no. he's like all panicky, a bit like Willy Wonka. Well, <laughs> my joke, Sean. Oh, sorry. Sorry. But, okay. Well, let's hear it anyway. Okay. 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 Hang on a second. Uh, just uh, keep your powder dry. But now we're going to play something called Foggy Mountain Breakdown oh, from classic. Bonnie and Clyde. Now, that just makes me want to go to a hoe down, and I don't even know what that is. <laughs> yeah. The other thing that makes me do is that it, it just reignites a passion for me to want to learn how to play the banjo. I mean, honestly, that's, that that gets me. And then but, go for a nice uh, uh, canoe down a river somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> on this one. Yeah. Oh, that's another film that's going to show up at some point. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that film's got to show up at some point. I hope so. But anyway, <laughs> anyway um, Joe... Old, uh, What's his name did that was any good? John Voight, sorry. John Voight. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like John Voight. No. Um, okay, so, uh, yeah, Sean, sure, sure go. Okay, yeah, I mean, this film was, I mean, for me, it's quite an iconic film um, because there was so much fuss about this romantic image, you know, to the almost like hero, heroine, when they were these horrible people. And there's some great other actors in this movie. Gene Hackman, Gene Hackman, who plays... Um, Clyde Barrow's brother mm-hmm. okay Buck Barrow well I haven't seen a bad Gene Hackman film to be honest um, yeah. I don't know if you guys did I told you there's but one 
yeah, you well, you'll have to tell me about that again. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the chamber. And but I think Superman four. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's this great scene, a, a shootout, which is ba- a shootout which is based on real events, Little Bohemia, and um, Clyde Bower's brother's Buck, Buck's wife, just goes absolutely hysterical. She's running around screaming, and Whoa! it's just like like crazy action, craziness. And um, that was Estelle Parsons, who's a, sort of quite a good character actor, but. Never really got recognised, but won an Oscar. For she won an one. Oscar for this one, yeah. Yeah. Oh. So there you go. She won an Oscar for this film. All right. Okay. Cool. So could we just we could just wind it back a little bit and just tell me. So Bonnie and Clyde, what is it actually about? You're talking about it being romanticised. So is okay, it based well, on something based on real life stories or it, what? It's based um, on real life bank robbers. They, okay. These, these guys are actually bank robbers. Yeah. Um, murdered quite a few people. Oh. Had, had um, a little trail of destruction. Um. America's Most Wanted at one time. And you still kind of root for them, don't but you? you? <laughs> yeah, very but, but they were really, really not... that. Like They used to humiliate the police and they used to shoot state troopers and um, and they committed quite a lot of bank robberies. What, what, era, were, what era were they in? 20s, 30s. Oh, right, okay. So during the Depression. Oh, Great Depression, of. so... Yeah, yeah. Oh, was it, so is it like one of those things where they became almost like Robin Hood figures where exactly. people were kind of like, yeah, we don't like yeah. the authorities anyway, go Bonnie That's and Clyde right. as long as you don't kill me. I mean, in the movies, I don't know if it was a fact, but they would like give money to the... It was like, like you say, Robin Hood, you know, yeah. robbing from the rich and they, they made sure some of the, yeah. the poorer people and the farmers got some money. Um, and I mean, round ra- 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 about the time, I always find this really funny because I like the other gangster films that era is the bank robbers um dillinger bonnie and clyde they were all chased by the fbi whereas your gangsters like capone yeah were, were never touched and i always wondered if there was you know that the, the guy to get all the publicity the fbi used to go after the bank robbers and oh yeah but never really i guess i guess it's easier like a bank a bank easy, robbery yeah. isn't easy it's like they've robbed a bank simple yeah. But if somebody's like running like a protection racket or is like doing mm-hmm. a movie things and it's, it's harder to nail it down. But 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 during this era in America, if you committed a, a robbery in one state of America and you managed to reach the state line, the police in that state would stop, would stop. <laughs> so this is really around this time that the FBI came around because the FBI, Federal Bureau, were actually jurisdiction to go between the states. Because uh-huh. these guys, they could rob a bank in Kansas and then head into Missouri so the police would be chasing them, which I think was that little bit of music. And they cross the state line, and they go, hey. and they're off, man. and they're off, they're gone. It, yeah, it's funny. It's it's quite a it's it's kind of like a weird piece of music to have to do with like okay, we're chasing people and trying to kill them, and it's like <laughs> but it really sort of gets you. It really, you know, it's, it's almost it's, it's like, stone copish. I was just really. going to say that. <laughs> I was thinking when I was listening to this earlier today. I was thinking it actually it sounds almost like an American Benny Hill. Yeah, soundtrack. for sure it does. Yeah, a little bit more violent. <laughs> <laughs> if um, Benny Hill had like more people getting killed and shot and everything like that in very gory ways yeah yeah yeah, but yeah. So, so it was pretty so the film's pretty gory is it's, it it's a milestone for sort of cinematic violence I would say yes. uh, that's what I remember the yes. first time I saw it I was being quite shocked that's yeah the final scene well just, yeah spoilers don't spoilers. listen oh, okay if, if you haven't well, seen it spoilers, obvious, I'm sure most it. people have seen okay spoilers so okay, we're going to give people like you know a two second break so if you do not want to know what happens at the end of Bonnie and Clyde please stop listening now but for only about 10 seconds, and please do come back because we do value you listening to us. All right. So, Particularly you. Okay. So, yeah. Especially you. Yeah. Okay. Event, like, right now. Joey. And, okay. Oh, in, the in, ambush. We're talking about the ambush. Yeah, the, two, ambush. the ambush. Three, thing. one, go away. Now you go, Sean. Okay. The, okay. Yeah. The ambush it, at the end is just like a, a 
choreographed piece of people getting killed really so many <laughs> slow-mo ballet slow-mo of ballet of like it's just people dying it is, it with, is. with as many bullets as you can and, throw at, 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 yeah. on screen and, and the body almost does a dance it's, through the... it is it's poetic and <laughs> but it's, it's grotesque yeah. okay but you see okay a couple of weeks ago we had Sharon in the studio and she was talking about it and we ended up very for talking about Strictly Come Dancing it's making it sound as if you're talking about this of Bonnie and it's like and tonight dancing on Strictly Come Dancing <laughs> Bonnie and Clyde doing the dance of the death yeah. the machine yeah. gun dance of death but it is it's a shocking scene because you've just been through a, quite a journey with these two characters and you're, you're torn. You're on the fence. You don't. You know. You're thinking. Well, I kind of like them, but at the same time, man, they've done some horrible stuff. Yeah. yeah. And when that happens, it, it sort of it pushes you one way or the other. And yeah. And you you don't feel sorry for them. In, you in don't a way, really. You you kind of. It's shocking, but at the same time, you're like, well, they had it coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was it. They deserved it. It's like, well, yeah. I guess. I guess. I guess they did kill all those people, and they did rub yeah. all those bags. Yeah. And I guess. I guess. Yeah. I guess it's on the balance of things they. Yeah, it's okay that they're dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can I do my joke now? Oh, go ahead, go ahead, carry it. This film has a good pair of jeans in it. Okay. <laughs> Wilder and Hackman. Oh, I'll be here till Friday. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be here until like uh, about, in about half an hour's yeah. time. <laughs> so, so yeah, okay. Bonnie and Clyde, another good word from uh, good one from yesteryears. Which films would you say this has actually? I think we should start a new thing. When we talk about an old film, we should talk about the films that it has inspired. For sure. Um, so, Because when you talk about it, the first thing that comes to my mind is Natural Born Killers. Natural Born Killers. Which is an yeah. Oliver Stone yeah. movie, yeah, which yeah, yeah. sounds almost like it was a modern day of, Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. But this was late 60s. This was like 67. So a lot of, the, a lot of films in the 70s kind of saw what Bonnie and Clyde had done. The use of violence and the use of sex. And what, what they got in away with as well. And the, what they got in away with, and they thought, and the sort of floodgates were opened in, in, to, a, to a certain extent. So I would say things like Coppola's Godfather and stuff like that. For sure, and 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 probably again, I keep mentioning this because my top film is The Wild Bunch, which the was sixty-eight. Like the Wild the Bunch, year <laughs> and I mean, it's the same. <laughs> it's like the same that. thing. It's just like definitely. It's just definitely. Yeah. So I mean. Yeah, so this this definitely had a lot of effect on on okay. other movies. There's two films I haven't seen, but I've heard a lot about the final scenes where a whole bunch of people die in slow motion ballet. Yeah. So there's a theme here occurring, <laughs> yeah. here, Sean. But this this director Arthur Penn directed some great movies. Um, there's a film with Paul Newman where he plays Billy the Kid called The Left Handed Gun. Mm-hmm. Great movie if anyone gets a chance to see it. Um, great, Joe's gonna. Um, Try and have a look now for some things. So. But Arthur Penn, uh, Little well, Big not, Man, Little Big Man. One. Have you seen Little Big Man? No, nope, no. He's no, like no. Dustin Hoffman. He plays a 106 year old man and he yeah. tells the story of how he went through Custer's Last Stand. And he was, at one time, he was captured by the Indians and he lived with the Indians and then he became a scout for Custer. Really, really need to watch that. Little Big Man. Um, man. I'm, so, beginning, I'm beginning to think that needs to just sort of like forget about working and watch more films. Yeah, that would be so cool, wouldn't it? <laughs> there you go. So, yeah. All we yeah. need to do is figure out where somebody I'd, can pay us to do this stuff. Yeah, that would be so good, wouldn't it? <laughs> that would be just so good. All right, cool. So, we're going to go on to Joe's second clue. Wait a second. What's going on here? Where's my music? There we are. Okie dokie. Uh, the second clue. This particular screen legend was originally cast uh, to play Colonel Sam Troutman in First Blood, the original Rambo film, in 1982. But he walked out uh, on the project um, because 
uh, he wanted the ending uh, to be the same as in the novel, where John Rambo actually dies at the hands of, of Troutman. Uh, and because this wasn't happening in the movie, they, he walked off the project. But this orig- uh, screen, le- screen legend was originally down to play the character of Colonel Sam Troutman in the first Rambo film. Yeah, it's always weird to find out that the, the Rambo is actually based on a novel. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> who, who would write? Yeah, no, no, Rambo's a good film. First one. Second one. I love the second one. Well, I think it's, it's I have a of, really soft spot for the second one. It's one of those things, it seems to be like with the same thing with, with Stallone movies, where the first, in most, in his in his two big franchises, Rocky and Rambo, the first one is actually kind of like quite a, it's quite a gritty story grounded in reality yeah. and about this guy. And, it's and, uh, believable yeah, it's, to start it's a, with. Yeah, start. It's, like, it's like a character study. And then the other ones become like 80s, 80s American popcorn fair yeah. and... And in some cases, very, very unsubtle Cold War metaphors. Yeah. Well, the first and second are completely different genres, aren't they? The second is just Rambo flying over the, like the Mekong River, bombing everything beneath <laughs> him for as long as he possibly can until audiences get bored. It, it becomes, and I think that he'd be, uh, by the third one, I remember he becomes a bit like some sort of Vietnam James Bond. Yeah, he's up in, uh, who's he helping? Is he helping? He's helping like, the, in the Afghanistan. I think he is, isn't he? Against he's the helping the Taliban, isn't he? Yeah, helping the Taliban. I, I just, I he's helping the Taliban. Yeah, he is indeed. Rambo's helping the, the Taliban. Taliban against the Russians. Sure. I'll, I'll check that, but I'm pretty the, sure. The Russians are in Afghanistan, the, Rambo. The, 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 end, the end scene where you know they, they finally achieve freedom, I think it's Rambo celebrating with the Taliban. <laughs> I uh, will check that out because I don't want to be. So are you? It's, 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 it's good. It's one, of, one of the greatest symbols of American, like yeah, blah blah blah, foreign da 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 da, was actually celebrated with the Taliban. Yeah, but we don't talk about that. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how they didn't mention that in the fourth Rambo movie. He was no. like, "You're about their time. I'm just going to forget about that." Okay. <laughs> actually, there's a great Russian film about um, Afghanistan, um, where with the Russians fighting the, the oh, what's Taliban. that called? Um, it's about. Ta- I'm not sure what it's called. I can't remember what it's called, but I remember. Um, actually watching it but I can't remember the name so I'll right. probably find it for us Okay, but good film alright cool anyway um, let's move on let's move on and on this show we do not want to have all the fun here we don't just want to sit down here and tell you guys this is a great film we think it's a great film go watch it go watch it go watch it we want to find out what it is that you guys actually think as well so in, to aid that I go into the hospitals and I speak to people and I ask them all about uh, well usually asking two questions what is the first film you ever watched in the cinema and what is the favorite film you ever saw in the cinema? I bumped into Mike and the Colwell Ward, who kind of answered both questions in one. And here we are. The first time I went to the cinema was uh, um, way beyond my memory. Um, it was to see Mickey Mouse or something like that. Uh, but um, the, the latest film, film that I have seen, which I have thoroughly enjoyed, um, has been uh, uh, the um, oh the famous motive motive motorbike motorbike res- uh, um, rescue from Stalagloff Three. Oh, the Great Escape. The Great Escape. Uh, wonderful film. <laughs> You're right, cool. That was the great escape. Now, here at Sunshine Radio, we're like one big happy family. And Tony, who's going to be doing the great Vectors music show immediately following this show, heard us talking about Bonnie and Clyde, and he just walked into the studio to tell us a little something. So, Tony, hello. Hello, everyone. Hello, Hello, welcome to They Don't Make Them Like They Used To. So, would you just like to tell us what you were saying about Bonnie and Clyde just a second ago? Yeah, well, a lot of them, the bank robbers, started when it was a Great Depression in the 1930s. Yeah. 
and a dust bowl. And they're, they were to do with farmers in part of East Dallas. Oh, yeah. And, of course, the main thing they did was stealing cars. Okay. Well, who, and Bonnie and Clyde or the... A lot of them used to and right, get yeah. caught and sent to state prisons. Right. But Bonnie and, well, Clyde originally used to steal Ford V8s. Because when the police could never catch him, he yeah. used to do about 160 miles an hour and things like that. <laughs> Dirt tracks. Yeah, So, and you also say stuff about how the film was mostly wrong or something. A lot of it, yes, because uh, Warren Beatty was took the part of Clyde. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I can't think, Dave Fanaway. Uh, Faye Dunaway. Dunaway yeah. took Bonnie. Yeah. But um, a lot of it is... Not what it should have been. <laughs> I've got, I've got a book at home. I've just finished it. Yeah, it's the truth about Bonnie, Bonnie and Clyde, Clyde that nobody's heard of. Yeah, well, it's time for a remake then. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's it's probably a couple of things because obviously Hollywood is notorious for yeah, whitewashing yeah. history and making things the way that the, making things well, essentially making history sexier and therefore yeah. wrong. And um, also, I think like um, Warren Beatty has like a world-renowned massive ego, so I think he probably... But uh, another thing is, uh, there, there was two shootouts, big ones. Yeah. But uh, a police couldn't go from one state to the other, like you said. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sean was saying but that. But when they shot him, the Texas Ranger was amongst them. Oh, wow. Called Hamer. I can't think of his first name. They could go any state. Texas Rangers. Texas Rangers. It, but there was only one Texas Ranger, and he, he was one of them that ambushed them. There were six that ambushed them. No. So so what but was... But they were upset. They didn't really want to shoot a woman. Oh. They, they were hoping they'd surrender, but somebody said, you don't know Bonnie, you don't know Clyde. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. just foot down and gone. Yeah. Because oh, the guns he had, he pinched from arsenals, you know, army. I think we're going to have to have a Bonnie and Clyde special where you just come in and you tell us everything about it. You can just sort of like read the book out to us. But I'll tell you, so thanks. So your show's going on at seven o'clock tonight, right? Yes. Immediately after us. Yes. Uh, you got good stuff on tonight? Oh, yes, always have. Oh, good stuff, Matt. good <laughs> stuff. Well, so everybody, please do stay tuned after our show's over to listen to Tony with the, uh, tell me if I'm getting this right, the Great Vectus Music Show. Great Vectors Country Music Show. Sorry, the Great Vectors Country Music Show. Let's get it right. It's a country music show. Yeah. Cool. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much, Tony. Oh, thanks. And now we return to our normal programming. <laughs> <laughs> slightly okay. less informative. So a slightly less informative normal programming where uh -huh. we just we just we just take what Hollywood takes us at and think that that's the truth. <laughs> so, so um, the Great Escape. As I was saying earlier. This is, uh, today we're talking about a whole bunch of films I've never actually seen, even though this is on TV all the time. So, people, talk to me about The Great Escape. Oh, I think it's one of those great movies that, that you could just watch again and again. I know people say, oh, some people say, how could you watch the same movie again and again? But this is just so good. There's so many good roles, there, so many good actors, the music's great, the action's great. Yeah. Incredible cast. Incredible cast. Well, this is the point where we should all just take a minute to, to think about poor old Richard Attenborough. Yeah, I think he had a good innings. I think he did <laughs> he well. Had a really he did good innings. Well. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. This, um, I mean, if you think that the, the the actors that are in it, James. I mean, I think a lot of the Magnificent Seven actually: Coburn, Bronson, 
Um, and the music in the main, I, I'm going back to westerns again, so we should stick on the Great Escape. <laughs> I'm sorry, my, my bias. Elmer Bernstein, yeah, Magnificent Seven did the music for that as well. He did oh, the yeah. Great Escape and the Great Escape and another war film, The Bridge at Remagen. But we're talking about the Great Escape, so yeah, what, yeah. Okay, so okay, Great Escape. Obviously, um, you you've mentioned some of the cast. You haven't mentioned the main man, Steve McQueen. Oh yes, Steve the, McQueen. The, oh, I was coming to that because. Um, Steve McQueen was one of these actors that when I was young, when I was really young, I never really rated him. But now, having watched his films, he is just one really, really good actor. And yeah. In my head, he, he kind of sort of inherited the effortless, cool title from Robert oh. Mitchum. So, yeah, yeah, I guess I guess you could say that. Yeah. I mean, I think with all Steve McQueen films... Just and, not quite as good, sorry. I'm, I'm, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. Now, I think Steve McQueen films are excellent. Um, yep. All the films I've seen him in. And he really, really does play great characters. Um, and in this, he plays Hilts the Cooler King, I seem to remember. Mm-hmm. And they actually say, they, actually, they, they, want, they want him to escape and make a map and then get himself caught so he could come back into the prison so they could have the map. All right. And he's like... You know, you're crazy, you guys. You know, why, why do you want to do this? Would you expect me to escape and then come back? And they're like, well, we, how many, we want to get like 270 prisoners out? Yeah. So he does. And I mean, a great scene with him at the end on the motorcycle where he's trying to get across the Swiss border. And he was in, in, um, in real life. He loved his motorbikes. He loved his motorbikes. He loved McQueen his car. Or? Steve McQueen. Okay. You kind of get that feeling with the scene that he pretty much said, uh, "I need the motorbike to be the star of this scene." Mm. It, does, <coughs> it does sort of feel yeah. like that. He, he did, did a film about biking called Any Given Sunday, which has recently been ma- remade, mm. and I don't know who's in it. And um, Le Mans, which is a oh yeah, Le Mans, about, Le Mans. about the twenty, yeah, because he was yeah. a, he was a massive petrol head. Oh, big he, time! He just yeah. loved his cars. He loved yeah. anything that had an engine and like mm. you know would go fast. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> I'm um, hopefully on the some of the films. Maybe we could dis- discuss later. Well, there are some McQueen films. McQueen, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, the funny thing, right, is that I remember when I was a kid, and this is this. Uh, it kind of ages me slightly, but then again, I was in Nigeria, and some of our technology was a bit older. And my dad didn't like to throw anything away. We had um, a Steve McQueen movie, Bullets. Bullets on on on, oh. on, on Betamax. Yeah, yeah. So this was uh-huh. we had it. We had it on Betamax. And I remember looking at it, and I remember thinking, "What the heck is all this stuff?" Right, bullets. I didn't get it. I tried watching it. Didn't. I was probably about, I don't know, seven. Didn't get it, so I recorded over it. Oh, oh. <laughs> recorded over it with something from TV. Yeah. And obviously now Rambo that just sounds three. So, <laughs> you know, at, at that time I would have recorded it over with Rambo three. I, I would have recorded. I think uh, for us, we 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 hung on tenter hooks for whenever the next Rambo movie was coming out. We would we we would go around a friend's house, and each time we would, and they actually lived in another town in another state. But each time we went there, we wanted to watch a Rambo film because they had them on VHS and all that. So right. yeah, in in the folly of youth, I probably would have recorded over a Steve McQueen movie with with Rambo three. You do realize these microphones are on, yes? I do. I do realize yes. these things are on. But, but, that, but, this is why this is not going on the internet. But, with, <laughs> but with, with some sympathy with with toes in. When I was much younger, when I I, I was like, oh, you know, I I never really rated Steve McQueen, but having watched his films recently, so I still don't class him as a particularly incredible actor. Ne- I, I think mm. most times I see him in, in films, he's very very so enjoyable. And the films star, are entertaining. Yeah. but I don't think he's he's. he's you know, one of the greatest actors. <laughs> okay. No. He's not as good as Donald Pleasance. Come on. Donald <laughs> Donald Pleasance. That's who really, really owns the film. 
<laughs> yeah, actually, opinion. yeah, that. that. <laughs> okay. I, I would actually like to go a little bit more into this and talk a little bit more about The Great Escape, especially seen as I haven't seen it. I like to, like, you know, people convince me to watch this film. Unfortunately, we are running out of time. So we are going to go on now onto the third clue in Joe's season, well, in Joe's series. Third clue. Okay, this one, uh, if you haven't got an idea so far, this one will hopefully uh, put you on track. It, it should give you a clue to some of the films this guy uh, was in. Okay, third clue. Having worked with directors uh, from Stanley Kubrick to <laughs> Anthony Mann, uh, when asked who his favorite director to work with was, he replied, I would never do that. I've enjoyed working with Wilder, Wyler, Hawks, Kazan. I did three films with Minnelli and got nominated for two of them, but I could never name just one director. So there's a long list of, uh, of clues there. <laughs> Hidden in one clue, but there's about <laughs> 10 of them. So if you know anything about this particular movie legend's filmography, that should set you on the right track. Okay, cool. Thank you very much, Joe. I think it's kind of like yeah, there there is one film that if you that would just be a dead giveaway if you mentioned it, but and I think I think I'm just going to yell it out at the end when it comes to. I think time. we should all yell it out. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think we should all yell it. Yeah, out. Yeah, hold on, yeah, 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 that would make comes, sense. We'll stand up. Yeah, we'll stand up. <laughs> we should when it comes to time to reveal the answer. I think we should. All right, go cool. now, people. We have a regular feature on the show called exception to the rule the rule being they don't make them like they used to so we always talk about films before 1980 and every week usually sean picks a movie that um was made after 1980 but we think this is a stone cold classic any time period this will stand up and this will stand up and it will just be like you know brilliant so this week seeing as i haven't seen any of the film so far i decided to hijack this feature and pick a film that i actually have seen so this week our exception to the rule is The Shawshank Redemption. A film that regularly tops the list of best movie of all time is just an absolutely brilliant film. But to kick us off, I'm going to play a piece of music from a beautiful scene in the movie that just makes you think, man, isn't it just great to be alive? Here we are. Hopefully. Yes, that was the duet from The Marriage of Figaro, um, played from well, the movie The Shawshank Redemption. Now, if you haven't seen the film, it's all about a guy called Annie Dufresne, played by Tim Robbins, who gets accused of murdering his wife and her lover and sent to prison essentially for life. And it's about how he, what happens when he goes to this prison, this Shawshank prison. He ends up getting in there and he figures out ways of surviving while he's in there, won't go into it. But that music was taken from this scene where he locks himself in the warden's office and plays this music all over this, the PA system. And this, there's this wonderful sweeping shot that comes over the top of the prison where you see all the prisoners standing in the, in the yard and everybody just stops what they're doing. Just stop what they're doing and they just look up and they're listening to it and you can just see that. And the, 
the voiceover by Mr. Voiceover Guy Morgan Freeman comes in and he just talks about how every single man at that moment felt free. It doesn't matter that they were locked up, incarcerated for life for most of them. They just felt free in that one moment. And I just think it's like, it's a beautiful moment in an amazing movie. But enough from me. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, it is, it is a, a classic film, really. Um, I can understand why it always tops the 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 billboards when it comes to movies um i think it's rated on the the afi site as the best ever isn't it yeah and it was a <laughs> terrible failure when it was released it was an yeah absolute flop something something i find really interesting is it was based on a on a short story by stephen king was it now i'm interested yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely yes it was it it's was a, well it's, um, rita hayworth and the shawshank redemption was the name of the, the, the sort of short story that it was based on it follows it fairly closely um, there's, there's always this debate you ask someone they're either a Shawshank guy or a yeah. Green Mile guy Green Mile guy yeah uh, that, uh, okay Green Mile is another film that was made by well, same director same it was, writer it was made by the same director Frank Darabont and it was written based on a short story based from the same group of from the same book of short stories as the Shawshank Redemption was it? It wasn't? Well, The Green Mile was released uh, in very, very short uh, episodes. It was, okay, it was so like it's a, different. Okay, yeah. cool. Okay, brilliant. So it isn't. But it's, but same director, same writer. And um, yeah, I don't think it's as good. See, I, I'm... Oh, You're more of a Green Mile fan, I am. Eh? <laughs> I am. The Green Mile tears my heart out, stamps all over it. But, but I just <laughs> absolutely... For some, something about the, the, the place and but the setting and, and the, the story. The, the thing that I think is great about the Shawshank Redemption is actually redemption all those years, mm. all those years, and it's... Uh, and can, can we put spoilers in this? Or? Yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead, yeah. Uh, the, the bit I think that he's really redeemed. got to me is when... Just before he's going to escape, he takes the shoes of the warden that oh, he's yeah. polished up, oh. and he looks really, really sad. And you think, "Oh no, uh, he's going to oh, uh, commit." The bit, oh, the bit and, where, oh, with the rope, him, yeah. And he's like, and you think, "No, <laughs> no, Andy, what are you doing, Andy? You can't do this." And then he's using it all, and he, he in parcels. And and I also love the bit where at the end, the warden and all the policemen that he's done all the accounts for, yeah, all get. You know, oh, when they, like, all, when they all get caught. Yes, I mean, there, there's some amazing shots. Like, I think it's... I know pe- people sort of, like, try and rip holes in it and they try and complain about, oh, that wouldn't really happen in real life. I'm like, I'm like shut up. But <laughs> it's like there's the, there's the bit where... The bit at the end where um they have the poster because I think by the by the because it's called Rita Hayworth, Rita yeah. Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption and because the, he he keeps having posters up on his wall of whichever scream legend is there because he's in prison for like thirty years or yeah, something. Right. Is is the uh, first one Catherine Hepburn? No, the first not? one is Rita Hayworth. Rita, Rita Hayworth. Hayworth. That's yeah, the first uh, Rita Hayworth. Then you course. have uh, uh, Bridget. Years. Bridget. Is it? Bridget? Years, Bridget? Uh, no, no, no. Um, Raquel Welch. Raquel Welch. Yep. By the end, yeah. it's Raquel Welch Raquel in Welch. in what's it's a ten thousand BC or C, something. Yeah, yeah. So in a fur bikini, fur and, bikini. Like, and, I, and I love it because Bob Gunton, who's like he's one of these American character actors, who I think is I think he's amazing. He's he he appears in a lot of stuff. He gives sterling work. Without him, things just don't really hold together. But he isn't really a big star. He doesn't mm. get much credit for it unless you know who he is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bob Gunton, and and he has this whole thing where he's like. Um, he calls Morgan Freeman in because Morgan Freeman's like um, Andy Dufresne's best friend, and he's kind of like, it's like, what's what's he doing? Where is he? Because they can't find him, and he's like, it's like, where is he? Where is he? And he's like, I don't know, I don't know. He's like, yeah, you know, you're all in it, you and her. And he points at <laughs> Rachel Welch, and he throws this chess That's piece it. at her, yeah. and it just just makes this hollow sound, and they're like, what the? And then the bit where he goes to the poster, puts his hand in it, and his hand goes through the poster to the other yeah. side, and and then that shot, that sort of like the sort of panning shot that uh, that. 
it shows them looking through this hole and it just all goes backwards and, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and then it just then it starts telling you exactly what he did the night before it just i think it's such a well constructed film that even even some people complain about the ending and say that it's a bit schmaltzy where they where they reunite on the beach and like you know then then this helicopter shot just sort of goes away from them but it's a the, bleak movie up to that point really with only a few little bits of hope sort of sprinkled throughout so i think it earns that yeah, well, it earns the ending. I, I agree. I agree with you on that. The, the funny thing about it is that I remember when I first watched it, it never struck me as a bleak movie. I walked away thinking, now oh, that's a really, really hopeful movie. And it wasn't until my wife watched it and she was kind of like, oh my God, I can't believe it. So much bad stuff happens in that film. I'm like, but it, it, oh yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. You, <laughs> now you mention it, a lot of bad stuff does happen in that film. But it's for me, it's it's kind of like almost this triumph of adversity that bad stuff will happen, but in the end, there is still good stuff in the world. How, how many years was it actually? Well, um, when was it made? No, no, no. no, no, no. How it was in prison. Was he in the prison? Oh, I, any idea? Oh. No. It was. It was close to three years? decades. Three decades. Thirty it, years. Wow. I think. I think it was. It was because when he goes over a period of twenty years, and he gra- uh, gradually learns the prison system. So oh, so twenty years. Twenty, 20 years. Okay, cool. So it was only twenty years. Long enough. It seems, yeah, seems, yeah, 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 true. Yeah. But that's the style. one bit. You know, like you get what I'm going to go back to this again is the shoot. I don't know why that one particular bit in the film when you think he's, you know, when it, just before well, he's yeah, going yeah, to escape, wait, wait, that's just like. Because everybody thinks that he's everybody had thinks, an, yeah. Because it's, it's, it turns out that he, he has a chance of getting out of cinema. prison. He has a chance of proving himself being um, innocent. Mm-hmm. And he, the system that's supposed to help him ends up stabbing him in the back yeah. and taking away his one chance of, esca- of getting out of yeah. prison. And you think that's it? This guy's he's had it. He's yeah, just yeah. he's gonna kill himself. That's it. It's yeah, no, it's it's such a oh man. How do you rate Tim Robbins as an actor, Joe? Ah, and Toes in the last question. Too. Ah, interesting. Tim Robbins. Um, yeah, I really. Uh, I remember the first time I saw Arlington Road. Arlington Road. Yeah. Ooh. Um, and I remember when I f- the first time I saw it, I had no idea what was going on. I had no idea of the big old twists at the end and everything, and it blew me away. So I, I th- had a thing for Tim Robbins for a while. And then I realised um, perhaps he wasn't that great. No. I don't, I don't know. It's, okay. it's, it's never... People might have to go. We'll have to go on this later because we do have to. We do have to wrap up. Yeah. I actually don't even think we have time for a final clue. But do you not? I don't think we do. No, because we've got to wrap up and let Tony come in and do his thing. Right. Okay. But okay. um. But um. I. But I think if we can, if we can all say this, this is this screen legend has probably one, one massive, quote from a film that followed him around to his death. So shall we all say it on the count of three? Sounds good. Okay. One. Two, three. I'm Spartacus. Yeah, yeah. No, you're all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. It's Kirk Douglas. Oh, good uh, old Kirk one Douglas. One of the few screen legends that are actually still alive. Is he? Is he? Yeah. I thought he died recently. I thought he did last year. Did he? Yeah, I, I thought think he died. He did. I thought he, he died recently. Douglas. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure so. he did. I thought I'm there was sure a big did. thing about it, like t- Kirk, yeah. saying they're talking about Kirk Douglas dying. Yeah. Well, it was news to me. I thought he was alive. <laughs> I've, I've, yeah. I'm fairly sure he's okay, alive. Okay. How have we got, Tozen? People, we, ha- we have like minus 10 seconds. Oh, okay, right, okay. People, we'll, we'll check that and find we'll out. We'll check about it let you know. We'll let you guys know next week. Kirk, uh, we're coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Hold on. Hang on for Tony uh, with the Great Vectors Country Music Show. Until then, please do listen to your um, listen to your doctors. Take a medicine. Get well soon. Get out of hospital. And remember that they do not make them like they used to. <laughs>